is the Kane's Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget that you can download or subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes or Google Play stores or listen to WRALsportsfan.com and on our WRAL Sports Fan app. Now, here's your Kane's Corner Podcast host, Adam Gold. On the road again on the Kane's Corner Podcast, John Forslund joins us from, uh, as some people like to say, the left coast. Uh, the Canes in the midst of a three-game, three-city sort of uh, West Coast trip. L.A., San Jose, Anaheim. Seems counterproductive, John Forslund, voice of the Hurricanes, uh, that you wouldn't play two in L.A., essentially, and then go to San Jose. Uh, but, hey, frequent flyer, Miles. Yeah, this is the, the, the longest one, Adam, I can recall in terms of uh, amount of time and the, the off days uh, you know, outweigh the games, and that's unusual. We've come out here before and played back-to-back L.A. Anaheim, had a day off, and then gone to San Jose three right. games and four nights and then come home. That's a long way to go for four days. So it's either or on the extreme front. But this is a, uh, a time hopefully they can be productive with their practice time because um, they were afforded a day yesterday. They get another day today, and then uh, it's a setup for Wednesday night. All right, let's, uh, let's go from the goal mouth out. That's how you build a, a good hockey team. Uh, and we'll start, obviously, with goaltending where – uh, certainly some stability has been provided by management. We saw this happening in the middle, uh, early part of last week. So basically a week ago today, uh, I believe, was, or might, might have been the next day, was the Scott Darling. Actually, it was Thursday, I guess. The Scott Darling uh, whole thing shook out. He was waived, sent to Charlotte. He's played two pretty good games, I guess, for the Checkers. Uh, but it's Curtis McElhinney. It's Peter Mrazek. Uh, McElhinney was good against the Ducks last Friday night in an overtime loss. Uh, Mrazek was, I thought, very good in the 2-0 loss to the Kings. Uh, My guess is that this is the way the team wants it, needs it to be for the balance of the season. Absolutely. And, you know, it's going to have to be a a tandem. And uh, unless... You know, one of the two is is so far superior to the other that they're going to run with one guy, but that's highly unlikely. And I think uh, in Mrazek's case, you know, you get an opportunity to to see a guy that uh, brought everything to the good against Los Angeles. That's his best, and that's how well he can play when he's on. Uh, the the thing is that he's going to have to find that level and keep it consistent. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be that great all the time, but he has a tendency to really fall off, and that's why he he lost his job in Detroit, lost his job in Philadelphia and gets this opportunity for McElhaney. um, I expect him to play against the Sharks Wednesday night. um, And I think they will just continue to roll him out there. And uh, I don't expect anything different because Curtis McElhaney has been able to do that his entire career. It's just age and durability. And, you know, can he, uh, you know, stand up to the test of being the the guy on a steady basis? Uh, I I don't think so. So I I think a a tandem uh, and a tandem performing at at a very good level might put this team in the playoffs. Who knows? Is it? Would it be better for the Hurricanes? Would it, for their goalie situation? Would it be better if I? What are their left? Uh, like fifty-four, fifty-five game, fifty-six games left. Would it be better if Mrazek played? I don't know, thirty to thirty-five of them, and McElhinney played the balance. So obviously not a clear one-two situation, right. but. Uh, more a nod to Mrazek as the uh, the more regular goaltender. Yeah, that's what you would hope. It, it doesn't have to work out that way as long as you know McElhaney holds up. But I would I would 
expect it to be Peter Morozik as the lead dog and then McElhaney slightly behind him. The difference that you want to see between the two is is just uh, reflective in terms of how the team plays. Mm-hmm. And and I didn't see the team play any differently in front of Morozik, and he controlled his rebounds against the Kings. And those are a couple of areas that you know ha- have gotten him into trouble in the past. So if he can be uh, sound technically as he was, he didn't show any rust whatsoever mm-hmm. in terms of handling the puck. His uh, movements were fluid, so no no issues as far as the groin. He was bouncing around yesterday at practice, looked good. So uh, I, I think I think those are the signs. And then we've already talked about the confidence the team has in front of McElhaney. That That's where you look for any difference between two guys, and that's where you might want to settle in on one if you're the coach because you just think, well, I know the team plays better in front of this guy. And so then you make that move, and then the team actually knows game to game who that player is going to be. But I think in this situation it, it won't matter, and that's only because they have as a reliable uh, – a backup support in Curtis McElhaney as you can have. John Forzen is joining us from California. The Hurricanes will be skating against the San Jose Sharks on Wednesday night, then the Anaheim Ducks on Friday before returning home. Uh, And then uh, we're not that far away from another extended homestand where Carolina, I think the – Really, we'll we'll find out because that's going to be a tough homestand mm-hmm. with the likes of the play, teams that are coming in. Pittsburgh's on it, Toronto's on it, Boston's on it. So uh, yeah. some elite teams are coming in to PNC Arena in the middle of December. So we'll find out a lot more about the team. Um, so if you're listening to this now and it's Thursday, we we, we have no idea what happened against San Jose. So I wish uh, we did though. Would that be great? Oh my! What would you do with tomorrow's newspaper? If you had tomorrow's newspaper, there was a, there was a show. Remember, <laughs> yes, um, about twenty years ago. Yeah. To, oh man, My mom used to watch it. The, yeah, where the the kid had the power of knowing what the headline was the next day. Oh, the stock prices. Yeah, Just the exactly. st- forget about you know games. The stock. Right. Well, if all you knew, needed to know what what, yeah. what tomorrow's stock prices were going to be. That'd be great. Um, what what is your sense of? Just the mood around the team now that the goaltending situation does seem to have been solidified. Seems seems really good. I mean, I I don't see much of a difference, but I, I think as time was marching on here, it was becoming a an issue only because they had to deal with it on a daily mm-hmm. basis. I think the coaches are are more relaxed with this. Uh, they don't have to worry about three guys on the ice at practice two nets, three guys, who's getting more of the reps. Uh, you don't have to worry about an attitudinal problem if there was one. Uh, someone's nose is out of joint when you have a three-headed monster like that, right. so it's never easy. And as far as the players are concerned, when Justin Williams is, uh, you know, in, in a locker room, it's going to be uh, – the mood's going to be correct, whether it be a serious time for work, whether mm-hmm. it be uh, light – uh, how you handle yourself with the media and so on. So I, I don't see much of a difference. They had a terrific day of practice yesterday. It was a competitive day. Uh, Roddy ran him through a lot of battles, uh, three-on-threes, four-on-fours. It was a uh, uh, spirited scrimmaging, basically. Today they're going to get to more technical stuff. But um, I think the attitude is good, and they just have to understand that uh, they can't settle for the way they're playing. That's the only mm-hmm. thing that I, I worry about as an outsider watching this. You can't have that uh, hunky-dory um, atmosphere and think that life is good, and when you're a pro athlete, life is always good. Um, but there is a, a job to do here, and you got to get to the winning again, and you got to get consistent with your game. you got to find better ways to finish your chances and so on, so we'll see where it goes. Do you think Scott Darling will ever wear a Hurricanes 
uniform again? I only think in an emergency. I only think in uh, with injury, and uh, and then I think it will be interesting to see what they do. But I would say no. I, I don't think so. I think this is probably as permanent as it can be. Um, again, if we could predict the future, we'd be way ahead right. of ourselves here. We have no idea how these guys are going to play. You've got one veteran guy who, um, you know, again, you're, I, I worry about uh, the amount of work and, and the stage of his career and so on with Curtis McElhinney, but he's uh, well-conditioned for, mm-hmm. you know, for 35, and, and um, I, I think he's going to be okay. It, it's Morazic that's your wild card because right. – uh, you follow the league, um, you've seen the great and you've seen the horrible. And really, there's nowhere in the middle. <laughs> so um, that's what's going on. And and, and that's going to be the trick for him is to find that level of consistency. Yeah, my, my whole read, and I've obviously, I, I interact with fans a lot on Twitter regarding the goaltending situation. And my read on this, because there's a lot of fans like, oh, you know, it goes down there. Darling goes down there, reestablishes his game. They can bring him back up. I'm like, no. Nah. I just don't think you're ever going to see him again unless both guys get hurt at the same time. Uh, yeah. Because I think that if something happened, if, if McElhinney had an injury or if uh, Mrazek had an injury, I believe they'd bring Nedeljkovic up to play before yeah. they would bring Darling. I think their, uh, their plan, their hope is that Scott plays well, well enough to attract another team uh, another team's interest, and they can trade and pay some of the salary, obviously, and get Darling into a different organization, or maybe even find a, a team in the minor leagues that just needs a goaltender in the American Hockey League, uh, and you know, and basically loan him like they do in the English Premier League or in international soccer, uh, send him out on loan to another organization. But I don't think Scott's ever going to be here again. No, the, the the new beginning is is the best thing for him, and and I understand fans who have this uh, affinity to Scott Darling and his career, but to be, to be fair and, and respectful of, of everybody involved here, um, Scott's run in Chicago was, uh, you know, 33 games, really 33 right. games where Corey Crawford was injured and he had a real good run in back of a real good team and in his hometown and air and, and it was perfect for him. And he, and he took off and he became uh, the darling of, of, of teams who were looking for that next guy. And a lot of teams coveted him. A lot of teams looked at him. But when you take away those 33 games, his career and his resume does not compare to Curtis McElhinney's or Peter Morozik's at the NHL level. Right. So you wonder, you know, why there's this reach, emotional reach, to get back to him. I just look at cold, hard facts. I mean, he never got off the ground with the Hurricanes. He never won back-to-back games. Um, so... And they gave it a long, a long run. They, they, they tried to prop him up in year one as many times as possible. Right. He had all the fortunate starts. He was allowed to get back in after he lost. You know, all those things that, that go the way of people like Henrik Lundqvist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because they've earned it. And uh, and Scott never had never took, got any traction. He never got himself going. So I think a new start for him is best. And then again, it's the elephant that's long gone from the room. And you can just you can just move forward with what it is, and and again, goaltending is is so important for every team, but for this team, and the way they are still challenged to score goals, boy, you got to have it. These two guys that they have now, I in my opinion, give them the best chance. Yeah, I'll 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 say out loud the reason you don't need to comment on it. Uh, Scott Darling is not Cam Ward, uh, therefore, there's a segment of the fan base uh, yeah. that will automatically give him the benefit of the doubt. All right. Uh, the Hurricanes, and we're talking with John Forslund, play-by-play voice of the Hurricanes. 
Uh, again, Wednesday night in San Jose, Friday night in Anaheim uh, to wrap up this three-game California swing. Uh, the Hurricanes are now at 6.5%, a shooting percentage as a team, which is right now the lowest in the history of the NHL. Um, I Well, there's something to be said for setting records. This is a bad one. Um, it can't go on. It, I mean, just can't continue like this. Uh, so is there is there a way out of this that doesn't involve like wholesale, maybe not wholesale, yeah. but a dramatic offensive change? There's two ways, actually three ways. Okay, and 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 two are very obvious, and one isn't. So the obvious way is to go to the old cliche of your best players have to be that. Okay, right. it's the best players league. If you look at the score sheets, game after game after game, look at the, the, the clips around the league, front-end guys are at the front of it every night. Mm-hmm. And on the teams that struggle, it's sporadic. So right now the Hurricanes are going through a time where, to, to be fair to this, the, the top-end players are not delivering. And there's a bunch of them. So you don't just point the finger at Ajo, who's a little bit quiet right now, had yeah. a great chance to score in a five-on-three and whiffed. Uh, Tara Vinen, who's sleepy right now. Mm-hmm. Jordan Stahl hasn't scored in a long time. He gets plenty of opportunity, power play, and even strength. Mm-hmm. Justin Williams has had a tough time. So they're all kind of in the same boat before you get to Walmart and Svechnikov and Fogel, and that's another level. But those, those players don't deserve to be under the microscope yet. Right. So that's one thing. The second thing is uh, power play success. Um, you know, if you're going to be in, in close games and now that we approach the 30 game level and we're getting to, towards the holiday period and then beyond, I mean, they have to figure out a way to be more consistent with their power play. And, and what I mean by that is you don't necessarily have to score, but by God, it's got to be a threat and it's got to be able to uh, take your team at the next shift to a good place. So if you're unsuccessful with your power play, you rattled that goalie, you had three glorious chances you played with conviction, your passes were precise, you didn't score, the next shift you might throw the fourth line out there, they get energy going, you come back with a top line, the next shift they score. What happens now is it's getting back into their heads again, it's it's stunting Mm -hmm. their game, and it's awful to watch. And the last two games have been bogged down by the lack of success with that. The third one for me, and this is my opinion, I'm not sure it's shared by everybody because I have talked to the coaches about this, and, and Rod mentioned it to Mike Maniscalco before we got to the third period um, uh, on uh, Sunday night. They hurry too much. They shoot a ton, which we know. Right. They don't score, which we know. That leads you to six and change percent. Um, and, and the way they play and the way they fling pucks from all over the ice for me is mindless at times. I wish they would slow their thought process down just a little bit and recognize that they have opportunities to make a play. You don't necessarily have to get it, fire it, or hurry a pass. There are, there are also missed opportunities to shoot because they're going so fast <laughs> mm-hmm. that they, they miss the, sh- the shot. And I'm thinking myself as I'm calling the game, oh, here comes the shot. Oh, wait a minute. It's going over here now. Right. That's, that's to me, mind-boggling. I, I cover other games, obviously, and I mm-hmm. see other teams play a lot. And it's more in straight lines, and, and it's more purposeful. 
And I don't believe that this team play. And it's not just under Rod. This has been going on right. for a while now. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's an analytical approach. They want a ton of shots, and they feel that if you get a ton of shots, your percentages are better. Uh, to score, I don't know, but uh, I know one thing: it doesn't look right at times for me. That's just my opinion. So that's about the only theories, other than you know, get to the interior and screen goalies and get the greasy goal and all the stuff you'll hear when the players have to talk about it. But <laughs> to me, that's what I think it is in those, in those three areas. Yeah, certainly we don't want to blame one player, two players, thing, things like no. that. But uh, and I've noticed this all year long. Uh, Sebastian Ajo is having a good year. Nobody is arguing that he has not been he's been a good uh, center when you know until this last game where Rod moved him to the left wing. Um, he's been good. I have no problem with Sebastian Ajo being a center. Um, but in the opportunities to score goals, I, I mean, I wish I could go back and document the. Uh, the whiffs or the time he just didn't get good uh, – it's not wood anymore. It's kind of graphite. Uh, good graphite on uh, on shots. Those have been way too many uh, for my tastes, and I'm sure for his, uh, because seven goals at this point in the season for a guy like Ajo, who should be trending towards 35, between 35 and 40, especially this year where we've got – uh, where goals are up over over past years, and he's trending really between twenty and twenty five at this point. The Hurricanes cannot be successful if Aho is scoring in the low twenties, uh, and Teravinen is uh, not trending towards thirty goals. They can't rely on Michael Furlan, who's not even on the trip. Uh, the other things, I mean, I can live with Jordan Stahl not scoring goals, although uh, in the uh, when he's positioned in the slot on the power play and he gets so many opportunities from you know really 15 feet out and he keeps hitting Jonathan Quick in the in the LA crest I mean those things we have to miss the goalie can't hit the goalie with the shot so I'm not so bothered by stall other than maybe he shouldn't be in that particular position Um, but they do need more from Ajo and Tara Vinen uh, we haven't even talked about the fact that Justin Falk has one goal through 26 yeah. games. I mean, well, I think Justin's had a really good year defensively, but we need, I mean, this team needs more out of Justin Falk than one goal. And, and Dougie Hamilton. And who's okay. got three, right. Right. He has three goals. So those two guys should be in the 15 20 range at the end of the season, you know, goal scoring. And to open up your forwards, you have to have threats five on five from the back. How many scoring chances are coming from the defensemen? Not right. many. And that's at five on five. And then you can always talk about employment on power play and who should be out there and so on. And should Hamilton be out there in a five on three? I would think so. Um, you know, should Stahl be the bumper guy in the in the middle of one of the units? I'm not 100% sure that should be. Um, but maybe that gets changed. But there's no question that, you know, even though it's the ultimate team sport um, and all these, you know, team games like football, which is a, another great team game, but mm-hmm. it always gets to the quarterback, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, you you have to look at your quote-unquote star players. And for this team, the budding star and the player who sits in his wheelhouse right now, he's had his baptism, is Sebastian Ajo. Um, he wants to get paid. Is he looking over his shoulder? Is he pressing too much? The kid is wonderful. Mm-hmm. He's a wonderful young guy, and he he wants to win badly. 
when you want something badly, sometimes it becomes counterproductive to your success because you, you try way too hard in areas that aren't going to get you anywhere. There's a long chat on the ice yesterday between Rod and Sebastian. And one of the great things about having a coach like Rod Brindamore is he's, he's got the been there category checked off. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he understands being a star. He understands being a go-to guy and then having everybody looking at you kind of funky from management to your fellow teammates and the coaching staff, because it's not falling. It's a tough spot to be in. So this is the first time in maybe his life this has happened to him. And uh, boy, you look at his stat line and it's almost a point of game. So if somebody just looks at the game mm-hmm. and says, well, how's having a decent season. And unfortunately today's uh, game numbers will get you paid. And, you know, he's basically going to roll out a contract based on comparables, to other players with numbers, but there's more to give there. And, um, and he's got to grab it. You know, the Canes are going to walk out of San Jose with a win Wednesday night. Sebastian Ajo is one of the three stars right. right now. The way it's going for him, where the team is right now, and the fact they got to go into a tough building and beat a really good team. Who's struggling? I mean, the Sharks aren't right right now, but they're a very good team. Ajo has to be one of the three stars for sure, if not the guy. So this is his game, and uh, we'll see where it goes. But it's a, it's a big boy's world. I mean, if you want that position and you – you're going you're gonna to have a contract demand, and we haven't heard any numbers yet, but I guarantee you they're going to be huge based on what Nylander got in Toronto. Right. Um, he's got to deliver, and that's, that's the cold hard fact. Yeah, I also think that at some point, because, I mean, I, I assume that Ajo's going to go on a streak where he's going to go on a 10-game tear, uh, and the goals will be there, and the Hurricanes will probably win a bunch of those games because it does correlate uh, their success with his goal scoring. And Taravani will probably come right along with him, uh, and they'll go through a stretch where TSA is producing, you know, s- between six and eight points a game. Uh, who, and how long that street stretch goes on will probably determine how many games they win. Uh, but we'll have one of those. But I still believe that this team needs another center. And, yeah. well, while everybody was salivating over the potential of trading for William Nylander, um, to me, this team should be focusing on finding another center uh, because in my heart of hearts, I don't see Victor Rask having a positive impact as a top two center on this team. And I don't either. Ultimately, uh, you know, this, this team needs offense from more than one line anyway. And I, I just look, look, Lucas Walmart's having a wonderful year. I think his offense will come, uh, but I just don't see Rask as having a positive impact up top. I think they need another center. Yeah, I think Lucas Walmark's potential is 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 better right now. Um, Victor has laid it out there and has had a couple of really good years to crank up his career. Has had a really tough time the last two. Uh, started this one, and to be fair, we have to give him a little bit longer. Right. But he's likely a three center. They already have a good three center in Walmart, and then <laughs> you've got Jordan Stahl, who's a two slash three. Um, and then you've got the fourth hole, which yeah. is a young player from the American Hockey League right now. So where's the one? So, it, it, again, this has been going on for a while, too. And the only thing, and they know more about what they want to do with their young players than I, but I will think out loud on this. I don't understand why Martin Natchez is playing the wing in the American Hockey League. I, I, I understand that they, they might be it might be a fit for him in the, in the NHL, but – I would think the forecast for Martin Natchez is to be a prime center in the, in the NHL. 
He's always been a center. Mm-hmm. Now we've got a little of an experiment going on where he's playing the right wing in the American League. If he cannot be a center in the American League now and, and be fairly dominant, and I know he's scoring goals, um, and it, it, it's hard to, to talk about things you don't see. I don't see the games. Right. But I question it. I wonder, I wonder why, because when he does come up, I'm driving into next season. I'm saying, you know, who – who's going to be the candidates to move into the top six in terms of your centers, unless you go out and get a, another guy. And uh, so they're going to need another guy. Do you get a number one centers from somebody? That's really hard to do. Right. You probably have to trade Jacob Slavin to do that. Do you really, do you really want to do that? I, I, I don't think so. So they probably need to add another uh, secondary guy who could have been or should have been a one or might be a one and on some nights is and some nights isn't. Because you're right, I think there's a there's a statistical hole now down the middle, um, and it's, it's becoming a black hole. Um, your centers have to score. Right. I mean that's that's it. The wingers can't score if the center's not doing anything. So it's a chicken and egg deal, and so that's what you you have to do. And I didn't mind Aho at center. Mm-hmm. I think I'm one of the few. But so anyway, we'll we'll see. There's a lot of gray areas, and and maybe that's why they're kind of floating around a little bit of the scoring abyss right now. But that's those are the things I, I think down the road. Natchez has to be that guy. I think they feel they have a, a guy that could be, but right. why aren't they letting him play center in the American league and, and, and let him, uh, you know, just earn his stripes that way and develop it, develop it instead of just worrying about winning in the American hockey league. I'm not sure. I, uh, I spoke to Mike Vellucci last week for, uh, for the podcast. So, uh-huh. um, um, and I'm not sure whose decision it was to move him from center to the wing. But I've always thought that Natchez would come back here at some point this year if he does, and that they would put him on the wing. You and I have talked about this, mm-hmm. that the uh, the Rask return allowed Brenda Moore to really mix things up. Um, I also agree with you. I didn't I like I liked Aho in the middle. Uh, the only my only problem was that we lost some of the dynamic offensive player initially. Uh, and I think Rod realized that he needs it, and the best way to get it might be to move Ajo back to uh, to the left wing for a time. But ultimately, I do think that Natchez and Ajo are going to be centers here. Um, yeah. So I think maybe maybe you wait until all right. We don't we don't have to worry about the uh, you know the pressure to win and make the playoffs this year. I think there's some of that going on, uh, and. You know, if that if if they kind of fall out of it to an extent, you know, over the holidays, then I, I think you probably will see both play the middle, and they'll just deal with it. And if they lose a bunch of games, they lose a bunch of games. Uh, right. But it is it is kind of you know uh, you know shortening the learning curve for the future. Uh, but I think right now they're still in the mode of this is what we need to do to win games. So right. Aho on the left helps them win games theoretically, although it has in the last couple. Uh, right. Nature's coming back and playing the wing might help them win games uh, it, because he's got, obviously, a dynamic offensive game. That's just my guess. Uh, so I don't know whose decision it was, uh, but I know Volucci had told Natchez that how many spots are there in, uh, on the forward line? If you're just a center, there's only one. If you can play both, you know, there's yeah. two or three per line, depending. I don't think Natchez is going to be on the left side. but I, So I don't know, but that's what Volucci said to me. Yeah, well, I, I think there's more of an eye on the short term right now by mm-hmm. doing that because that would be for this year's Hurricanes team is to get them up here in that role. And I, I just think as we forecast for that number one center, um, I think they might have it in the stable 
and it just hasn't it right. just hasn't come to fruition yet. And that's the only thing I think is important to bring up for the fans that listen to this is that you know this team is competitive. This team isn't much different than a lot of the teams that are going to scramble around for a playoff spot. But it's, I, I hope that fans don't lose sight because it's happened before on on what some type of vision is here moving forward because um, we got to see if that's if that's the case because if it is the case in terms of figuring out who <clears throat> excuse me one two centers are then you're set if you if, if you've got that you know if right. you, and you're, you're going to be like other teams are with their young players who are already racking up points at the nhl level and they're 21 years old um that's where you want to be so it's it's kind of like it, it is the future but the future is pretty close right we got to get to it you know that's that's the whole thing and uh, if you make the playoffs in the process terrific I think they're going to hang around to the end. I really, I really do. I hope they don't fall off the map, mm-hmm. but I, I, I think they're good enough to do that. And um, I, I just hope the be-all, end-all isn't just making sure there's a playoff game played and then that the business is set and the team's set and everything else because that's it's still a hard thing to do. And it's still conceivable that they right. miss. But the team does, you know, deserves the, the support's kind of coming back a little bit yeah. and there's a little bit of energy around the team, and I think that's good and there should be because um, – they they are kind of going in the right direction, and, and sometimes you need to give it patience. One 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 more thing uh, before we say goodbye and let you uh, board a plane. Um, Connor McDavid comes in and he scores all sorts of points. Austin Matthews scores all sorts yeah. of points. Uh, so you've got Patrick Lyonnais. I mean, all Jack Eichel. Actually, Jack Eichel struggled his first couple of years with injuries, mm-hmm. and he was not yeah. a dominant player. He was a good player. He's obviously yeah. becoming a dominant player now. Um, and of course, Jeff Skinner uh, scoring a thousand goals for Buffalo uh, sure does help the cause. Um, uh, ble- I'm good, good for good for Jeff who's having just a, a really good goal scoring start, and Buffalo's playing well. But the all of the success from those 18 and 19 year old players kind of it it makes it harder for even an Ajo who's 21. Uh, or uh, or a Natchez who's 19 and a rookie in the NHL. Uh, Svechikov's a little bit of a different type of player, so I'll leave him aside. But their success has like, well, why can't this guy be successful? If I'm not mistaken, Natchez was the 13th pick, right? Uh, yes. So, I mean, he wasn't first or second. So no. clearly there's a difference. If, if he was supposed to be that great, and that pick was criticized by some people, uh, if he was supposed to be that great right away, then that would that would be more understandable, but obviously he wasn't. He was the thirteenth pick. So maybe these guys will just develop when it's their time to develop, and we don't have to rush them and demand so much of them, like maybe we did with Elias Lindholm and some others. Right, and and the first experiment has uh, hasn't panned out because when we had our conversations leading into the season and over the course of the summer. Um, you know, uh, the team was basically built with an 18 and a 19 year old on it. Right. And not only an 18 and 19 year old on the team, but they had to be productive. And remember, we talked about it and I said, you know, you got to be careful right. because, you know, young players should surprise you. You shouldn't expect anything out of them. And uh, when the, with the departure of Skinner and I did say, I thought they should start the season with him and, and see where it went. Right. But you sacrifice the potential of 25 on a bad year, 30 goals or more on a great year. He's probably going to score 40, 45 this year, maybe more. Um, 
now you're asking your rookie guys to each score 15 goals somehow. And one player's in the minor leagues where he belongs at this stage, and the other player has had some real great flashes of brilliance, and there are nights he's on a learning curve. So it's, um, it's not easy, and it doesn't always work. And you're right. I think some of those other guys are very special, and not everybody's very special. But Dalene and Svechnikov were supposed to be special in this draft. And look what's happened. They are because they're both in the league. Mm-hmm. Dalene's really playing well right now, but he got off to a little bit of a rocky start. Svechnikov has continues to trend, and by the I want to see where he's at at the end of the season because it's a steady uh, line of improvement. But there are a couple of kids in back of them who weren't even supposed to be in the neighborhood who are impactful. Brady Kachuk and what mm-hmm. he's done with Ottawa and Kakademi in in Montreal. So um, you just never know, and 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 again, you just have to make sure that the the path is clear, and you don't you don't lose sight of uh, of what's happening here. But I think in in Aho's case at twenty, um, it's different because he's already got his feet on the ground as right. an NHL and a world class player. And so this is a guy right now that I think it, it's fair to look at closely uh, in terms of what he's delivering to the team because that's that's one area and one one player that they need a lot from. Oh, there's there's uh, there's no question about that, and there's some good players in the minor leagues, but nobody. Uh, who would pro uh, profile as you know a top three or a top six no. forward in the uh, no. in the NHL? I mean, who knows what happens down the road as players develop? But uh, they clearly don't have anybody that you could forecast. Yep, that guy's going to be a uh, uh, you know a, a, a top line forward or a second line forward. There's a lot of good right. players, but maybe not a, not a lot of great players. John Forslund, it's always uh, a thrill to be able to talk about these things with you. That's uh, fun. Enjoy uh, enjoy Northern California. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, although I, you guys are not going all the way to San Francisco, you're just going to San Jose. Yeah, we're going to no, yeah, we're not going to San Francisco. At least I don't think so. You never know where life will take you at times. So. <laughs> uh, we'll talk to you very soon. Thank you so much, sir. Okay, Adam. Take care. That's this week's Kane's Corner with Adam Gold. Download or subscribe to our podcast every Monday during the Carolina hurricane season in the iTunes or Google Play stores or listen at WRALsportsfan.com and on our WRAL Sports Fan app. And don't forget, for the latest Canes coverage, log on to WRALsportsfan.com. Every game on the Canes Radio Flagship, 99.9 The Fan.